0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com
1: slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Rexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, Make sure to subscribe, but enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Cloysor, hello, welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Rexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. A top week called for a top guest. Rexham are the leaders in the National League, after two wins, which turned many non-believers into converted believers. Wow. Maidstone was special, wasn't it? A game which looked like Wrexham had found a way to not win, despite leading 2-0, going into the closing 20 minutes of the game. Aaron Hayden popped up in injury time to give the Reds a win. And then Tuesday night, Gateshead, another tricky place to travel to, somewhere where Wrexham have had Many struggles previously, but a very professional, comprehensive win. And with the postponements elsewhere in the league, we've got a fairer reflection of how the National League table is looking now. Wrexham top, three points clear of Notts County, who have played the exact same amount of matches. Wrexham have scored a goal more, have conceded two less. Wrexham, the team who we always joke aren't as good away from home, are the second best team away from home this season. 29 points from a possible 45, 36 out of a possible 36 at home. This weekend, it is Sheffield United in the FA Cup. More about them at the other end of the podcast where I catch up with a Sheffield United journalist uh, to, to get their views and measure, maybe, of if a upset is on the cards again. But without further ado, this week... Without Nathan again, we had to get a top guest. Rob and Ryan didn't answer our messages. That's understandable. I think they're pretty busy between themselves. We wanted to get someone who was truly in the know, someone who knows everything that is happening at Wrexham. Sadly, Vanarama National League Insider on Twitter wasn't available, but we did find someone who can fill that criteria. I'm delighted to say that you can sit back, relax, and hear from advisor to the board himself, Mr. Sean Harvey. So we were looking for guests to fill in for Nathan Salt. and thought there's only one man, maybe big enough to fill those boots. Uh, I'm very delighted to say I'm joined this week by Sean Harvey. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you.
0: Uh, big enough big enough to fill Nathan's shoes I, I'll probably dwarf them in fairness but <laughs> uh,
1: uh, the sentiment I definitely agree with thank you very much and I suppose a good question to ask you how are you doing what's life been like at Wrexham for you well it's uh,
0: well everything on the pitch is going well we we're, we're doing our best to get everything right off it uh, obviously don't always succeed but you know generally you know generally life's life's positive life's good so you know it, it's nice to work, be able to work in a positive environment where you know, everybody, everybody's united behind one particular one particular
1: aim. You know, and that target's in that target's in sight. You know, we've just got to keep going to the end of the season. It does feel like a real, just a real feel-good time around the club. Obviously, what's happening on the pitch, what's happening away from the pitch. We've had the sort of the stage venues as well, which is Gavin Pace. We'll get onto that sort of later on. Uh, question I've got sort of want to ask is your day-to-day role that, then now. You joined as an advisor to the board. Is that still very much the, the title and how... Full on, are you sort of in terms of the football inside, having to do this stuff behind the scenes in terms of comms and stuff? So this is, I mean, this is one of the more, you know, one of the popular, you
0: know, popular questions, <laughs> and, and and unfortunately, it's it's, it's usually followed up well. well, well, what does everybody else do? And so so let's let's be clear. I mean. You know, I came in as an advisor to the to the board. I help helped them purchase the club. You know, and a lot of that was driven out of the fact it was COVID. Nobody could go from the US to Wrexham, and ultimately the advisors that they utilized in the US to help Robin Ryan buy the club needed somebody to represent them, and that's what that's what I did. And for a long time, I had no more idea it was Robin Ryan than than the fans of the club. In fact, I arguably found out probably about two weeks before it became. It became public knowledge because, you know, my involvement was simple to help a friend who I've known for many years Mm. in New York find a football club for his client. And that was my that was my involvement done. It was no it was no more. It was no more complicated than that. It wasn't a case of Sean looking for a job because ultimately, you know, my consultancy business had a number of different clients and this wasn't going to be one of them. And effectively, as it grew and the takeover actually got near a completion, I was finding I was finding myself in the middle of the majority of the discussions that were going on to try and get it finalised. You know, you'll recall those extended period of time where everybody's looking over the shoulder, when's this going to complete, is it real? And, you know, transfer windows shutting and we're going to miss <laughs> on, out on signing hundreds of players and, you know... How can we how can we get rid of Dean Keats when we haven't got a new board in place and all those issues that we that fans were were laboring on at the time. So I agreed in this, in the first instance to help Rob and Ryan, because it was Rob and Ryan, until obviously they found a full-time CEO, which you know was my first recommendation to them that they actually needed. And ultimately Flo came along and you know, Flo has that unenviable task of running the club on a day-to-day basis. You know, it's a massive beast. It's gone through this exponential growth and actually trying to keep everything together and moving forward is, it's a massive, massive job. So, so my role now is that I tend to deal with the issues that aren't what you would cast day to day. Now there's, Mm. there's some crossover. There is bound to, there's bound to be, but effectively that's how you delineate the two roles between Flirt and I. And it works, it works really well. From that perspective, you know, I, I keep her across everything that's going on and she can ensure that what needs delivering at the ground gets delivered. And, you know, generally, I think Wrexham's better for it.
1: Yeah, I guess that is, I mean, change to any degree is always going to be met with sort of scepticism and Wrexham fans who may have been here for a while have seen us turn just a lot more professional as well. And there's sort of ways of communication that I know maybe that's something that fans... I've said has changed since the club has become more professional, is that the the way that communications are dealt with, there's a proper sort of department and procedure to do so, whereas maybe in the past it was voluntary-based or Geraint would type something up and we put on the website. How difficult is it then from the club point of view that obviously you've got these fans who are used to it being run a certain way, mainly done by the WST and voluntary-based, and now it's got maybe a bit more professional, but things need to be done properly now. Whereas in, in the past they were done to a great quality but now there's maybe more scrutiny on the club.
0: Well, we you know the more professional we become the higher bar we set for ourselves, you know, on the higher you know the higher the higher threshold and the levels and security that we're we're held to. So, you know, we try to do everything, we try to do everything right or properly as you as you described it uh, and actually try to do things in that professional way. But ultimately as the club grows you get held to a far higher standard. So even, you know, we still do not get everything right by any stretch of the imagination. But actually, we're under a far bigger microscope than the club's probably ever been under before. So, you know, so it is it's it is hard, it is difficult. And yes, we want to get thing we want to we want to be professional, we want to communicate in the proper way. And you know, ultimately everything is now scrutinized. I suspect there was email, you know, Media releases typed by Garant, as you've just descri- as you've just described, that you know, three men and a dog probably read. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not I don't I don't utilise social media in any way, shape or form. But you know, I'm told as soon as as soon as we actually publish something now, there's there's threads and threads on Red Passion, which is a place I've been told to avoid at all costs, and um, and every, and everything and everything else, because that is the scrutiny, that is the microscope that's on the football club, and you and the
1: club is better for it. Yeah, I've not been on Red Passion since I got, uh, not maybe not abused, but got mocked for asking where my where the seating was for a playoff semi-final because behind the goal used to be unallocated seating and I turned up on a day and didn't know where my seat was. And as you can imagine, Wrexham fans who are used to sitting wherever they want weren't happy with some 14-year-old lad asking why was someone in my seat at the weekend. But we go forward then, on maybe on to ticketing. That is a, a matter close to lots of fans' hearts uh, this season, particularly because there's been so much interest Um in the club ticketing maybe is it the platform Ticketmaster that sometimes has had crashes when certain batches of tickets been released season ticket holders sometimes being told that they don't have the right membership level to buy tickets when they've actually gone on sale Uh, there's lots of layers to this there's the maybe away ticketing and calls for a resale platform Uh, is there anything sort of from the club's point of view that they are working on to make the ticketing process easier or more accessible
0: well, I mean, the first thing we're trying to do is get five and a half thousand more seats in the ground. Cause I mean, that's going to, that's going to ease a lot, a lot of the issues. So, so a lot of the issues are created by, you know, effect, effectively demand being far greater than supply. You know, it's, historically, the club didn't have any real ticketing system of note in place. Yet, probably nobody ever complained about it because you could just rock up on a Saturday afternoon and come into the stadium and watch you know where where we are now we are having to you know we're selling out so every single seat has to be sold individually they've got to be sold in a certain order you know and the ticketmaster system works it it's it's again i'm i'm going to keep saying it's not perfect but you know it's like it it was fit for, it was fit for purpose when we started this new this new journey and a massive in, you know increase and and better than what we had before you know is it Manchester United system, no. And it's all about being proportionate to, to what it is that you, that you need. And, you know, we've probably grown to such an extent. If we could have predicted this level of growth two years ago, when it, when it nearly is two years ago now, than when Robin Ryan took up, we may not have started with a generic Ticketmaster product. That said there's a lot of bigger cl- there's a lot of bigger clubs I'm still using uh, th- this <laughs> sort of system as well so so it can work so it is all of, it is as much about the demands and pressure that's put on it as it is the system itself you know and as we we tend to try and grow with it, we're trying to get used to that and then get it get it to do the things that we want it to do that specifically we need so you know as I said Einstein's a wonderful thing it might not have been the starting point. If we'd have particular, and one of the pieces of work we definitely will be doing in the early part of next season is to establish whether the ticket system with five and a half thousand new seats, hopefully at some stage in the near future, is actually we are actually working mm. on the right system to deliver the service that we need. But it was a decision that was taken that I was fully, fully, fully involved with and party to, you know, and it seemed like it did appear at the time to be a proportionate improvement on where we were to what it was that we were going to need going forward and they do crash but the best systems crash as well Mm -hmm. you know it's not it's not a system it's not something that's unique to you know unique to rex and it's not always a ticketing system as well you know you you only need the network to go down and everybody blames the ticketing system and it was actually nothing to do with the ticketing system but if it's not working for you it's the ticketing system it's it's a it's a it's a fault and it's the ticket's fault so you know that is the natural. You know that's an that that's a natural home, and you know and again you know we try to for home tickets we've got you know we have got it sorted now. You know obviously season ticket holders have got their seat for the year by definition. Mm-hmm. You know there's a priority period for members, and then if there's any tickets left there after they go on they go on general sale. I think I think most people would would acknowledge that that's at least a fair system. Somebody might come up with something better, but there's nothing on the face of it that says that's not fair. That's not fair and reasonable. It's just a case of, you know, can you get in in, inside that priority period
1: or as soon as the tickets go on, tickets go on general sale? Um, Uh, I suppose it's a lot harder there in terms of not policing, but controlling away allocations because to a degree it's out of the club's hands. And some teams in this league like to control the ticket sales themselves. And some are passed on to Rex themselves. So, I know there's been maybe calls for a quite vague term of a away ticket sort of scheme where there's loyalty points or some sort of system in place where more maybe fans who've been there, gone to games more longer or more regularly can go to these away games over others because I think it was Solihull in particular um, over Christmas was sort of a free for all for that that second of January game. But is there any sort of plan or anything the club can actually do on that? Sure. Well,
0: there's the, the two things. I mean, I mean, this is one of the subjects that we, we discussed at the club advisory board, you know, because, you know, if, if the club advisory board, you know, has one thing to get, you know, to bring, it mm. is, it is the fans view. And we talk, we talk long about a way to vote. No, you know, and as a principle, I believe, re, you know, loyalty should be rewarded. As a, As a principle, you know, if you go to every game, you know, then you should be able to get to the last game of the season as a you know as a principle. So I think there should be some. I don't think it can be purely on loyalty though, because there are many reasons why certain certain people yeah. can't get to as many to as many games. So, you know, there has to be there has to be a has to be a balanced approach, but the principle of rewarding loyalty has to be has to be correct. You know, and that loyalty doesn't necessarily just mean season ticket holders either. You know, that there, there are there'll be There'll be there'll be fans away from Wrexham who you know particularly in the National League. this if you if you're in London, you can actually get to any number of away games relatively relatively comfortably, where it's actually a bigger trip from Wrexham than it is from where from where from where mm-hmm. you are. So so I think that there needs to be there needs to be a balance. But the principle of logic. But you but why can't we do it? You know, if everybody thinks it's the right thing to do, and and in general again, I don't think anybody will say it's not. The challenge is. We can only do it when we have the tickets to sell.
2: Yeah,
0: you know, you, you quoted the example of Solihull, and I'm sure there was others where effectively
1: all you had to do was go online and book it. it yeah, it I think Barnet spe- was the same for April, which could be a, a day we a significant day in the club's history. Absolutely, and you know,
0: and there's no the, the and there's no there's no vetting. It's a case of turn up and buy the tickets. But but that's the National League mentality in terms yeah. of you know the only thing that's important is selling is selling these tickets actually you know for a club to have the audacity to say and we want to decide who we're going to sell them <laughs> to too is a step beyond what most clubs have ever had to do, have had to deal with in this in this division on a regular basis so, so
1: yeah i suppose and, one uh, solution is get promoted then isn't it maybe where well, we get to grounds where there's better allocations and different systems in well, place
0: and, and and actually and actually unless they've changed the rules since i left which they may well have done but um then i think it, there's actually an obligation on cl- on clubs to provide tickets to the visiting team if they request them to sell to sell to their fans yeah. i mean because we 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 have the obviously slightly darker side of this of course is that you know fans who are subject to a football banning order could actually just buy a ticket from any from any random website and you know that's ultimately breaking break, break the law mm. now you know obviously yeah, we won't we will mull on that subject for too long, but but the the fact the fact is, we c- if we have the tickets we can control the distribution. Well, we can certainly control control who they are sold to. You know, yeah. like everybody, we we you know, unless you have membership cards with photographs on and at the, uh, 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 the turnstiles, then you've got no idea who's actually using them. But as a principle, I
1: think most Wrexham fans, if they were lucky enough to get a ticket, would be going to watch the game. I suppose a lot of the – I hate to maybe call them issues so much because a lot of maybe sort of teething problems, whatever, that we've maybe seen this season, is, it seems to stem from this increased demand. Uh, do you think there's a sense from the club's point of view that they have been sort of blown away by the extent of just how popular the club have been? Because I think we were all expecting a, a, a turn-up and increased Sort of tendencies, but I've been blown away by the fact that, you know, you, you, to get it's an all ticket to get to a Wrexham home game, which is just bewildering to me. Yeah. Well, if I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, I had no,
0: I I didn't predict this level of popularity. And I don't think anybody who's been honest with themselves, there's a lot of people with the benefit of hindsight telling us exactly what was going to happen. Um, but ultimately, we didn't know how popular it was going to be. You know, if, if somebody had have said to you two years ago, this takeover will be sold out every game at home in the season after next, you're gonna you're gonna look at somebody as if that you know they need some form of sort of medical help. Because you could just never make that quantum leap. But that's what Rob and Ryan have been able to bring It's create a focus locally. You know, and everybody says the club's grown across the globe, it has. But it's not people across the globe that are coming through the turnstiles of the race course ground it is it is still very much the local community and like we don't have to define local. we don't have to define community but you know it's people in the area now and yes there are some international fans now coming on a day you know coming over when they're in the uk to watch the team but they're still very much the main they're still very much the minority so yeah. locally it's galvanized everybody together behind Behind the football club, and and intern and internationally, it has too. So, I don't think we knew it, we knew it'd increase interest, but you know, I was absolutely blown away by you know the power, the media media attention, and the influence that Robin Ryan have been able to garner through their uh, through their ownership. You know, and one of the reasons for that, of course, is that it is the underdog story, as it says in the documentary, but it's actually because we've got the majority of things right. Because, regardless of how popular everybody might be, if the experience is that poor and we don't get most things right, people won't put up with it and come. So, you know, we know we've got to get better, but we're getting better from a far stronger and advanced position than
1: we've ever been before. I was going to ask you this one on Robin Ryan. Not in terms of their involvement, but what did you have any preconceived sort of opinions of them? Did you did you know who they were? Well, I, I, I knew who when I when I checked. I think it's fair <laughs> to say.
0: Because, I mean, I, I got I got I got I got the message to join a join a join a Zoom call because you know the protective villains had some questions that they wanted answering and uh steve horowitz who put it all together in new york couldn't uh it needed ne- needed the answers and obviously i had no idea and he told me he told me then who it was and um uh, yeah i think i think i think my daughter looked at me as in, in some form of uh how do you mean you're having to check type of uh type of look but no so so yeah you know, so no i got i got familiar with
1: them fairly quickly and uh you know i think they've only gone up in everybody's estimation since when the announcement happened, my mum sent me a Facebook message saying, is this good? Question mark. So yeah, she also didn't know who they were, but she does know who they are now, quite crucially. Um, we mentioned there in terms of sort of day-to-day and the fans who come to the stadium off from the local area. I think anyone listening to this will know of someone who maybe used to go to watch and Games who's maybe got the bug again, or fans who didn't previously sort of feel they were wel- not welcome, but didn't really have a connection to the club now do. But another big part of that is, like you said, the, the growth overseas and Wrexham have played a key role in getting the national league TV streaming platform in place. How big do you think that is for the club in terms of actually making the games accessible to a worldwide audience? Is that a key sort of part of the the development plan? Yeah, it
0: was it was a massive part because you know obviously the docu- the documentary is a, is a documentary and brings massive, massive profile, but of course it's always it, it, it's always. At best, four months behind, and probably yeah. nearly eight months and a year behind at times. You know, so so after the first series, it was always going to be key. How do you keep people connected with the football club, or is it just another another TV another TV series? And because if it had just been another TV series, then actually we were never going to make any strides forward, because people would jump from w- one series to, the, to you know to the next. Yeah. We had to make sure we could fill that gap in the middle. Now we can fill the gap in any number of different ways, but actually allowing access to the club to watch the games for live had to be the the simplest and the most effective way effective way of doing it. Which is one of the reasons that we pushed really heavily to be able to you know to stream games. I mean, I, I genuinely tried all sorts in that for in the in the first season. We tried to bide the rights into America. To you know, to, to be able to broadcast games, you know, as as you know, latterly we promised to give all the money away to to, Nas- to the national league if they let us do it, because our objective at that time was all about growing, about keeping a fan base engaged, mm-hmm. and they, well, and bringing the club to di- club to different people. Now, you know, to clear one thing up, we only ever said that we would not take our share of income in the event that we were doing something that nobody else was able to do. Okay, uh, yeah. Because obviously that's one of the criticisms. It said, well, Rex said they were going to give all their money away. So, yeah, we did, until such time as they got a central platform set up that gave everybody the same opportunity.
1: Mm.
0: Just to be blunt, why should we?
1: Yeah, if we're, if you're bringing in the, the larger audience, why shouldn't you benefit from that? Well, when, when everybody else has got the same opportunity.
0: Yeah. When, when other people didn't have the opportunity and we'd have gone on our own, then that
1: was a different. That was a that was what that would have been a different argument. In terms of the streaming, then has there been any sort of initial feedback on how successful it's been? Has it been well received worldwide? Is it is it having the effect that the club wanted it to have?
0: Well, I mean, again, I'm going to I'm going to defer to what others tell me on the basis that <laughs> uh, I, I'm not I, I don't I don't follow the social media trends, but uh, certainly Colin, Colin in our media office tells me that. Uh, you know one of the most popular tweets that goes out is you know this the kickoff times what the game is and where the kickoff times are around the world with that wonderful question where you're watching from <laughs> and and apparently you know it, it it's every it's everywhere I mean we've we've seen some initial numbers from the National League and they're certainly in advance of what they thought they were going to sell selling and I, and, I, and I think we're told that they're going to be they're going to allow them to be released at the end of January the the actual subscriber numbers, so, so that 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 will be interesting, and I think, unsurprisingly, everybody's expecting Wrexham to be the most popular team in the National League for for streaming, and I think our question is is how much more popular, yeah, and I think that's the first time, Rich, that we'll really be able to to put a figure to how popular the club is. And and it and it be measurable because at the moment, other than that, it is it is a little bit like it is a little bit speculative.
1: Yeah, well, like you said, it's very easy for anyone to set up a social media profile and say I support Wrexham. It's very different to then purchase a pass to watch Wrexham in your free time and to sort of invest in them that that, that sort of way. So yeah, like I said, very interested to to see how that comes. Another sort of factor. But so rich.
0: To- so rich, This. So this is this is where I don't. Have- <laughs> This is this is where I have an advantage because okay. I thought one of the points on it, you know, you know, the the club are often the club are often held to held to account, and that is something we have no issues <laughs> with whatsoever, you know. And how we're supposed to predict what's right and what's wrong? So, so rich as a as a, as a big follower of uh, Wrexham, as somebody <laughs> who monitors what goes on because it's your job certainly through through your, uh, through your podcast. How many how many people do you think will be will be watching Wrexham games? up up either internationally and domestically at this moment in time that's a
1: difficult one yeah so it it uh, is a
0: difficult one and i'm going to keep asking you until you actually answer it because yeah because we get held to account for things that we have no control (laughs) over so this is this was just my 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 way. i thought i can ask you the question and then we'll
1: see we'll see we'll see who gets nearer you or me okay well i think the, the difficult one for me in terms of uk is i think Group viewings. I think in, it, for Wrexham games that be showing on Tuesday night or whatever, you can put them in a the pub, um, et cetera. So I think there's always got to be a bit of mitigation to the UK figure on that. I'd still say maybe about sort of 500, 750, maybe UK based purchases. Yeah, and then well. internationally, I'd maybe go to a thousand to one and a half thousand. So I think in total, you're looking just shy of two and a half thousand would actively sort of seek out and and buy the rights to a game myself. But that that is just a guess on the spot because I'm telling you listeners, I was not prepared for that question. (laughs) Correct. And I can confirm he wasn't briefed in advance about that question.
0: (laughs) Because I I think you'll be significantly under. Okay. Yeah. But but, but but it's it's an interesting concept, isn't it? Because what what, what actually gets you to is how do we as a club try and engage what mm-hmm. the what the interest is now now fortunately, streaming platforms are wonderful creature because it, it's, it's completely scalable and you get to test you get to, you get to test it fully so you know so for for example you know if we if one turns up to watch you can cope with it if ten thousand turn up you can cope with it there's not even you know, assuming the bandwidth's there yeah so that's this is one of the real, real few ways you can actually truly gauge the the size of the interest i mean you know, we, we've talked about merch. Well, we haven't talked about merchandise, but we always, yeah. we always talk about merchandise in these type of <laughs> in the in the in these forums. And you know, the you know, twenty four thousand shirts, been and gone. You know, they you, you think about it and think, well, I thought we'd order too many. Yeah, and I suspect if we'd have asked most people, how I many you think we should order at the start of the year, they wouldn't
1: have got to twenty four thousand either. No, exactly. Particularly, when you think of. Not everyone who goes to the games wears them, and it's already sort of ten thousand, ten half thousand. Then to double that, adding an extra fifty percent as well, it, it does seem ridiculous. And I still didn't get my hands on one, so we didn't order enough. I suppose in terms of that, obviously we've always there was logistics issues, wasn't there? I think with we the first sort of lot of kits as well when they were ordered. In terms of sort of supply, like you said, it is learning as you go along. But are there any sort of plans or discussions in place for the club to try and? Get more stock or to well, streamline. it. For, for next season. We're going to order a lot more shirts, <laughs> and you
0: know we, we could be having this conversation in twelve months' time that we still didn't we still didn't order enough.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean we are look. We you know we're looking at ordering thirty five thousand shirts next season, uh, across yeah. three across three kicks. I still know wiser today, Rich. Whether that's going to be the right number, and mm. if it's the right number, I can guarantee it won't be in the right size split. Because you can't, you can't get it right. Yeah, you just have to learn as you go, as you go along. So, you know, we'll do, we'll, we, we'll do better because there'll be more shirts earlier. You know, they're all ordered, they're all underway. They should, you know, they'll all be here for the start of the season. Now we can top up that order again when we see how the first lot go, and that's when you get the raft that come in at Christmas. But you can only order those when you know how well the first lot have gone, and you can't get them in any earlier than Christmas. So there may well be this gap again in the middle, because you know they're not manufactured. You no, know, the manufactured in China. They're manufactured in China because actually the quality that comes that comes across is is good, and you know we'll get it. We'll get closer and closer each time, you know. But at some stage, you know, it'll hit a ceiling that it can't go past. Yeah. or we, it's just not sensible to order it but yeah. again we've, all, we've ordered plenty
1: it just wasn't enough yeah you don't want to get caught with a huge backlog then of stuff you can't get rid of uh, in terms of it i mean we saw in the documentary was it last summer you you were choosing the kits the new kits when robin reiner came over was there a similar sort of discussion this time around for, for what might be on horizon yeah. I can officially confirm that the the, the,
0: the the three the three kits for next season have, have all been have all been approved and and have had the input
1: of Robin Ryan, the seal of approval. That's like that's what we like well, to hear.
0: Well, Rich, trust me, it wasn't the seal of approval. It was absolute <laughs> input into what was going on. You know, the, what what you will get will we can certainly not reflective of the first ones that they saw.
1: Oh wow! Okay, but that's,
0: that's the process. But that but that but that's the process, and that's the bit that gets missed, forget just in kits. You know, mm. Robert Rob and Ryan aren't here at the club every single day. And you know, in, in, in fairness, I don't think they've got any idea who our stationary supplier is. <laughs> but the deci- but the, the but the decisions that have a real impact and impression create an impression on the fans, they're across. Now yeah. you know, then you know they they need to be taken to the parts where decisions need making. And you know, they're not expected to understand the mass the vast detail or the rationale behind it. But when but when it comes to are we going to do this because this is the impact and this is this is what it could create, then you know, Robin Ryan, you know, they're they're across it. They're they're heavily they're heavily involved. You know, I have to say the response time from the both of them is unbelievable compared to how you know how how busy they actually are. You know, we have to be careful. I usually get a response from Ryan first, but that's driven to by time zone, rather than uh, rather than rather than anything else. But you know, I I can't ever remember getting to a situation where I've sat there thinking
1: I need an answer. What are we going to do? Yeah, I mean, suppose from Rex and fans' point of view, there's a section of us pessimistic. I'm one of the pessimists who always worries how how much do they really care, how long are they invested for, but. That almost doesn't matter. You just got to enjoy the ride and go with what's happening at the moment and enjoy every second. But I suppose it's it's a question you can't answer on their behalf as such. But is there still a belief that this is a long term project involving them both? Well, it's it's got to be it's got to be a long term project because
0: mm. you know it, it, you know what is the left definition of long term? I mean you know they've made a significant investment in, into the into the club already. They've done that because they wanted to deliver against the mission statement. You know, the mission statement has any number of different features in it. You know, and they keep both saying they want to see the club in the Premier League. Now, we are, you know, everybody has a little wry smile and think that was an easy line. But to get to the Premier League, even if we went through every single division, says him now counting on his fingers, you know, that's at least five years away, isn't it? Well, in the life of a football club, five years, five years is a long time. So... You know, I do, there's there's absolutely I've got absolutely no suggestion that they're going anywhere, any anywhere soon. And you know, and, and more importantly, their actions actually back that, up, back that up. So you know, people can get really concerned and, and et up over how long is it going to last, what's going to happen when they're gone. And you're right. Let's just enjoy it for what it is at this moment in time. You know ultimately rob and ryan need to leave the club whenever whenever they leave and they're bound to leave at some, at some time you know their commitment was that they would leave the club in a better place than that that they found it and that wasn't the criticism of the wst when they were saying that now if they do that it'd be a case of finding the right people to take over whenever that is and the club the club the club will continue but let's not you know i need to worry about exit strategies at some stage but i certainly won't i certainly won't be asking i won't certainly will be encouraging the fan base
1: to do that i'd just be enjoying it so sure a key part as well of that mission statement that you mentioned was the development of of the race course ground obviously the cop demolition is a very exciting time for the club how are things going on that front i guess first of all in terms of the so so I mean, we've got we've got all the permissions that we needed
0: um you know, to to be able to take the, the cut forward, obviously, you know, we, we came up with a pragmatic solution to get the planning consent issued around a, a voluntary reduction in the current on in the usable capacity until such stage as the uh, phosphorus is issue can be resolved. You know, and uh, obviously, I've uh, I've seen some of the more humorous uh, suggestions as to how that's resolved, but but ultimately, I mean the con- the country's got a challenge and an issue to deal with uh, to deal with waste, and this is all that it's caught up in. And you know, we needed to get on with building it, so I've, I've no issues that when it when we, when it does appear, it will have five and a half thousand seats, all of which will be capable of being used. Um, everything was going great, and then obviously we had the news. Uh, that I think broke last Wednesday and was actually out in mainstream on Thursday. That um, you know the UK government had chosen to overlook the council's application for uh, financial support from the Leveling Up Fund. Um, so that that was a hammer blow. It was a, it was a hammer blow primarily because everything was geared up to geared up to go, yeah. um, yeah. and obviously we now need to find that alternative solution. Now, we did set off with a plan B before, before, before we got started because we could, we couldn't afford to raise expectation and then just to leave, you know, then to let everybody down. So, we always, there was always going to be a plan B. By definition, plan B is not as uh, easy to deliver or as, uh, as practical as plan A because otherwise it would have been the other way around. So, gonna have to we're working we're working through those details now which which does lead to a new a complete new set of uh, negotiations with the interested stakeholders and you know those those discussions have started and it is going to talk, it is going to need that you know the movement of movement of cash both in the public sector and and at the and at the club as well so we, we just rather than rushing it, rushing out and you know saying it's all sorted. I, I remain yeah. I remain really confident it will be, but we've actually got to find the right solution. You know, contractors need to be on site from the first of October uh, from the first of June first of June. Sorry, I think it's in October, then that'd be interesting. You know, from, <laughs> from the from the first of June. So we've actually we've actually got you know effectively four months to get the funding package sorted out. In reality, we haven't got that long. We've probably got eight to ten weeks. Before it starts to have a, a real impact on the actual, on the actual timeline. So, you know, we're going to use probably the majority of that time to make sure that we get it, that we get it, that we get it right, because it needs to be right for the long, for the long term future of the club. But, you know, sat where I'm sat here now, I believe there is a, there are solutions to be found that will ultimately see, see the cop developed.
1: Obviously, as well, um, was it two weeks ago now, we had the statement from the club towards the WST saying that, you know, the lease, they hadn't had maybe cooperation or communication in regards to the lease for, for the race course stadium um, be passed over. I know there were some sort of supporters who were maybe felt the club was, I mean, I sort of said it sort of went nuclear and, you know, maybe that was the the way of, of pushing things forward, and since then the WST have responded, so perhaps that is that is fair to say. But the the strongly strongly worded statement from the club as well is was that sort of a procedure that they felt you felt was necessary, given it had been so long and you hadn't really moved on from from where you'd been in the first place.
0: Well, I mean we, we don't we don't go looking for a, we don't we, we certainly yeah. aren't out to look for fights unless unless we have to, but if we have to, we will, and there's absolutely no mileage in seeking a fight with a fan group regardless of site, popularity or otherwise you know you know every Wrexham fan is really important to the club and we're going to continue we're, co- we're going to continue to work with them we just got ourselves into we got ourselves into a position where you know in fact let 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 me start at a slightly different point if we knew the w, if we knew the leveling up front announcement was going to be coming out so shortly afterwards and it was going to be negative i don't think we'd have probably taken the matter on at the time that we took it on but we didn't know you know so anybody who suggests they did it because they knew the answer i can absolutely categorically confirm that we didn't we did it because it has been nearly a year it has been nearly a year since we started it is important because when we're talking to sponsors and investors, I mean, we face the farcical situation where the club owned the freehold. It has a hundred year lease. I'm using round numbers for this purpose. Before yes. somebody writes in and say <laughs> it, it's got all wrong, so I'm going to I'm going to use round numbers for this purpose. You know, so a hundred year hundred year lease was granted, I think, from 2016. That's just to prove I did, I didn't know the detail, but hundred <laughs> years, and then when the takeover happened two years ago. Effectively, there was a sublease for 25 years. So the football club only has a lease, to you sublease, to utilise the stadium, which it owns, for the next 22 years. So what happens after 22 years? So when we need to secure funding, when we need to make arrangements for the future, it's just a completely unnecessary question mm. to have to answer what happens in 22 years because my answer has to be i don't know better talk to the people who own the lease yeah so so why having asked the question really nicely in february having asked the fan base and got their support for actually purchasing the stadium in the first place because it would have been cheaper for robin ryan to continue just renting the stadium at one hundred and fifteen thousand pounds per annum Than actually going out and putting the money up to buy it. You know, it'll be 20 years before there's actually a cash difference. And, you know, we've talked about Robin Ryan being a long time. Will it be 20 years? Who knows? But I think most betting people would suggest they've actually gone out and spent their own money. I'm not going to say unnecessarily, because the actual statement of owning your stadium is is absolutely massive. But we now own our stadium that we don't actually have a guarantee that we'll ever be able to continue to play. So so the assurances that were that equip were equivalent to the to the lease, you know, that it stays as the home of the race car till two thousand one hundred and fifteen is part is part of is part of the security that was that's been issued and granted and at the time that we put the purchase the stadium from the university. So that's all in place. It's not at the land registry yet because the land registry are ages behind following COVID and everybody and everything else but that's there but we need we need but the context is all we're chasing is the process that the wst is going to put in place to get the question to their members are they happy to surrender the lease of the club we've not applied any pressures to what the outcome should be it's fairly obvious what outcome we want but until such time as the membership is actually asked that question we don't know where we don't know where we are we are and after the period of time that's elapsed that was exactly the reason why we've been asking the question over an extended period of time and we chose to make the statement that we did now the wst knew the statement was going out so it didn't blindside them it didn't bounce it didn't bounce them you know they actually they actually seen it in advance and confirmed there was nothing in, in there that was incorrect now they also make the point that context has been a lot of changes at the WST, and we acknowledge that there has been changes, and it hasn't been the same people from day from day one to day now that are sat on it. That said, those that have got the responsibility now, we're saying, please can you consider your landlord's request because that's what we are now to surrender your to surrender your lease. We've acknowledge we have, we've always acknowledged that the premium at £15,000 a year would need to be replaced in some way. We're not trying to get out of that obligation. We just want to be the owner-occupier of the race course ground on the, on the, on the basis that it makes the narrative and the story that we have to tell people on a regular basis, simple to understand and, and enforceable and, and, and without any form of doubt or clarity. It is no more complicated than that.
1: In terms of going forward then obviously the COP redevelopment is hopefully you know gathering pace now, like you said, still on course to, to be complete when when we all want it to be. Are there any other sort of ideas down the pipeline of, of ways that the stadium and match day experience might be renovated? I know that. Particularly, I went to when, like I said on this week's podcast, uh, last week's podcast. Sorry, when I went to Altringham, The food there was brilliant. I know there's maybe been a few, some issues in terms of getting served at half time, getting your food, you getting your pie on a match day. Is that again sort of just teeming issues with the the increased demand, or is there anything sort of in the pipeline to, it's, to overhaul? It's,
0: that? A, it's a combination of things, and and what's interesting. I mean, I just said that we're going to keep the race one of the keep the race ground as the home of Wrexham for. You know, there's no reason there's no reason to move and that's what some of the warranties say unless the stadium could no longer meet the club's requirements which is the practical outcome that you've got to have in any form of agreement because you know if we were playing in the Premier League would you want 16 only 16 thousand people to be able to enjoy that experience and so the problem is that ultimately you know the race course ground might have a capacity of ten and a half thousand at this moment in time but it certainly doesn't have the, that capacity on the concourses. And and genuinely the big the big challenge the big challenge is purely space, and how do you go now? Again, we can be more efficient in serving people. We you know we can pre pull pints, and then the bloke at the front of the queue says, "That's going flat, that one. It's been there for ages, son." And uh, you know you have to start. You have to start again. So you know it isn't easy. It isn't easy in the space that we've got. And actually, one of one of the key one of the key pieces of work that we're, that we're undertaking is to ensure that the new technology and space that will be in the COP, which will bring it up to the modern standards, you know. And I hear fans saying that the experience at Coventry at the kiosk at the, at the kiosk was was brilliant. You know, you could rock up, get a pint, have some food, and get a, and and it was packed there. So there are lessons to be learned, but it might be packed, but they were custom built for the purpose rather than you know what we've got at this moment in time which were effectively you know akin to somewhere to get a a cup of tea and a pie and a pie from and that was it and then there's nowhere to stand so it's just the people milling around you know if people who weren't eating or you know if people took everything back to the seats it'd be a lot it'd be a lot more comfortable but people aren't going to do that because they come down to use the toilets and of course they're all in the same the same area so I, I think the biggest challenge—the biggest challenge—is one of space. There's no doubt. We, there's, there's no doubt there'll be can be improvements made, but space, it's, but space is the big is the biggest inhibitor to that experience.
1: In terms of sort of long term, for when the cop is up and hopefully functioning. Has there been any sort of discussion at the moment of where the away end might be moved? Is there still sort of just plans to keep it where it is? Because obviously, used to sort of be the tech ends, particularly when we had sort of bigger away followings, which hopefully we'd get in the in the football league. But has there been any sort of discussions of that, or is that still too far down to? No, uh, no, it's
0: anything. It's anything but too far. I mean, we we started we've started on that master on that sort of master planning exercise already. I mean, it start it start it started with you know improving the kiosks in the university and the tech end as you as you as you've just referred yeah. to it because those those you know, if you think if you think there's problems in there now i have no idea how it used to cope before that new that new kiosk went into went in, went into there and of course the area in that stand is limited because the community office is is in there so we've actually we've actually got a plan where it sees staged de- a number of stage developments so the accessible platform that's now in the Wrexham Lager Stand, which everybody looks at and says, "Why did them idiots do that now?" Because nobody ever. There's never any visiting fans using it. Well, ultimately, I think the Wrexham Lager Stand will become all for home fans. Okay. And and, it, and it's and, it, and it's in and it's in and it's in place, which I think would would see eventually the visiting fans going into the uh, into the University End Stand. You know, and of course, I think we can justify that on the basis that everybody who wants to sit behind the goal there is going to be a very happy very happy occupant of the of the COP at some stage at some stage in the future. But you know, the facilities in the COP include the club's offices and you shop and the community and community and community centre. And the reason for that is that we need those facilities out of where they are now so we can continue that upgrade, general upgrade of the race course ground. Mm. Because to host Wales Senior International Games, it isn't just about getting an additional five and a half thousand seats in the ground. As important as that is, it's about bringing other facilities up to date to to meet broadcasting requirements and you know new accessibility new accessibility rules. So we're on we're actually starting on that path. Everything's been done to a script for a re, for a reason. And even though it might sound odd now, there's only certain times you can actually do it, and that's yep. why the new flights are likely to be in before the end of the season they'll yeah. be there because that's the only time we can do them on this programme of works that we've got to actually meet Cat4 4, Cat 4 status.
1: In terms of... Yeah, I've got to say, another part that maybe encapsulates that is, and maybe, of course, if we need to look at new revenue streams if the level up money's not coming in, it has been the sort of subject of potentially selling the stadium naming rights. Obviously, there was the deal initially in place for the tech end, university end last season for the Lucas Oil stand, which in the end didn't materialise, that got pulled. Are are those still things that the club are considering, potentially sort of the naming rights to the stage? And because like I said, personally, I know not all fans agree, I wouldn't, I'd still call up the race course. So to me, as long you know, I don't think I would have any issues personally, but I know lots of fans are against selling that because they feel it's selling an identity, maybe part of the soul. But at the club... Aware of the resistance from some fans, and are they still maybe potentially exploring that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, we are exploring. So let's, you know, let's we don't we don't need edge round edge (laughs) round the issue. You know, you know, as we we are looking we are looking to find a sponsor for the university, and you know we were we would partner with the right sponsor for the stadium. In fact, I mean, I took we took the matter to the club advisory board just to try and get engage what their opinion was in really how they thought supporters would react. And in general, and this isn't throwing them under the bus in any way, shape or form. It's just acknowledging the facts. And as you know, the minute, the minutes the minutes of the meeting are on the club website. So it's not a there's no there's no secret. And you know, and that was that as long as either the race course or kairas was contained inside the name, that they didn't think in this modern day it was going to be a significant, a significant issue. There is absolutely no doubt that fans will call it the race course. But but somebody who's buying stadium naming rights isn't necessarily over concerned whether Rich Fay calls it the race course or XYZ race course or Kyra. It's actually the media, it's actually the media value that goes with it because the broadcast the broadcasters will. Yeah. So you know. I don't think it's not about changing anybody's right or anybody's or anybody's view. And I suppose in a you know in an ideal in an ideal perfect world, it probably wouldn't it probably wouldn't be sponsored. But you know we need we need to continue to raise revenue to uh, to be able to fund 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 what we need to do going forward. So hmm. if we could find a third party to help us do it, I'm, I'm certainly sure it'd be a lot more popular than putting tickets up by ten pound each.
1: Exactly, and again, like you said, in terms of per game. <laughs> In terms of uh, that as well, to uh, keep on brand for myself, everyone calls it the MEN Arena in Manchester, and MEN have not had the sponsorship of that for about 10, 15 years. So, if you can get a, a good sponsorship deal, you know, you can have that longevity as well. So, like you said, from from their point of view, there is certainly uh, benefit to be had uh, in that regard. So, I mean, moving forward, then, in terms of the city redevelopment as well, I know that there's always, it might apply to every fan but the hospitality as well would be sort of included in the new cop uh, development is that sort of seen as an area that the club can really sort of capitalize and really take to the next level the hospitality now well i think it it, need, it needs it needs to be
0: there as an option hmm. because different people want people different people want different things i mean i think certainly as it stands at the moment Around Rex and you know the majority of our corporate sponsors, and I'm not so sure. Some of them would be happy for me to call them corporate sponsors, <laughs> but you know our, our corporate hospitality guests are actually local, still local businesses, individuals who've done uh, you know individuals who've done well for themselves. You know who want who want that different experience. I don't think we have a real should we say blue chip traditional football corporate uh, you know corporate approach you as you'd see it. Old Trafford, Old Trafford, for example, you know, it's a diff, it's a diff, it's a different type of uh, proposition. But you know, we've got to do everything better to uh, to maximize revenue. So, you know, we will there will be corporate facilities in in the COP. I think it, I think it's going to be more casual than formal because we actually think that's what the market in Wrexham will 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 demand. So, you know, we'll ta- we'll tailor it to what the audience ultimately what the audience wants. But no, it comes it comes at a premium premium price and generates more revenue for the club. It also gives us a you know another lounge to be able to use, you know, for non match day business.
1: Yeah. Like we saw during the World Cup where you could have fans in to watch the Wales games, et cetera, as well. So I guess like you said, football is gonna be the pro Sort of primarily, sort of income stream. But like, say, if you can open your branches, then why would you not? And maybe another matter as well, in terms of the football point of view, training ground latest. Is there any sort of development on that? That we're two, we're, two. We're working on two sites at the moment. Um, I, I personally had hoped that uh,
0: the levelling up fund bid would have come through last week for many reasons, because that was going to allow, to a certain extent, a bit more time to be spent trying to, you know, to 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 find, to find the training ground and to take that one forward. You know, I'm I'm I am still realistically hopeful and actually probably a little bit more confident than that that it will arrive. It it is just a case it is just a case of when. You know, um, you know when you when you asked me the question right at the top of this, you know, you know, about what are you doing and who does and who does what, I don't think you actually said who does what, but I think I took <laughs> I took the conversation to that point. You know, the reality is it is projects like this that just take a massive amount of time to try and get up and running and why you need more than one person at any one time, being able to do different, different, to to different, different aspects of the club's business. And, you know, we'll, we'll get there, but um, you know, ultimately we've, there's only so many things we can do at once if we want to do them right. And uh, I think, I think I'm more interested in getting it right than getting it quick, getting there quickly. Last
1: season, last, season, last summer, um, Preseason plans had to sort of be adjusted because we didn't know which league we were going to be playing in. Didn't help that the playoffs were, you know, pushed so far back into the season. So there was obvious mitigation to why last season's preseason schedule was maybe a little bit last minute. But you know, there's whispers. I'm not sure if we can say confirmation that Rexham will hopefully be heading sort of stateside this summer, if possible. Uh, is there any sort of timeline on when fans might be able to expect just any preseason announcement? Obviously, in terms of if they had to get time off work and save up. Yeah.
0: So I, I don't know. if It's a whisper because uh, I think Rob went on. I think Rob went on a podcast and announced it and announced it to the world. And uh, my inbox was suddenly overtaken by any number of different people wanting to uh, hosters in the US. So yeah, I, I think yeah, we we will be we will be in the states for preseason. We are trying to get all the details sorted quickly. Um, you know, there's one anchor game that we're working on. And, you know, hopefully, certainly by April, that we should be able to confirm a schedule of where we'll be playing and when. You know, I'm really nervous about making an announcement about Mm pre-season any more than we've already talked about because I don't want people booking flights, booking time off work, booking hotels on a on a whisper that this is what they've heard we're going to do now if enough people speculate enough they will no doubt guess who we are going to be playing at some stage it's bound to happen but all i'll say now live on rob ryan red is (laughs) please do not book any flights any accommodation on the back of any rumors that you hear Unless you have read it on the club's website in a formal statement from the club, and actually, if we'd have managed to do that last last summer, we wouldn't have had some of the problems that we did. So, you know, we don't want to be anywhere near the situation we found ourselves in last time, even though we had all the mitigations that you've just that you've just talked about. But as soon as we're in a position to be able to make that announcement, then then we will. And all I'll say is. I think it'll be exciting.
1: You also yourself sort of played a key role in getting Wrexham, in terms of the footballing side, um, free from the sort of shackles of the old international transfer embargoes that we had, unlike any other National League team. And obviously we saw that in fruition last month when we signed Andy Cannon from Hull. You know, that's a signing in previous years Wrexham wouldn't have been able to do outside of the January window. Obviously, we're in the January window now. And, you know, it's not the same sort of environment for non-league clubs as it is for football league clubs because it doesn't end on the 31st of January. But in terms of the actual playing squad now, is the sense that the club is still very happy with what they've already got and they feel they have got enough in place to achieve the goals this season? Or is it the sort of answer of they will always look to improve where they can.
0: Every manager wants at least three more players <laughs> in, in in my experience. So then, you know, but, but, but in all seriousness, I mean, we, 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 we built the squad at the start of the season that we felt was capable of getting us promoted and such would, as we stand here, 26 games into the season, we're in, we're in the right half of the table and things are, things are, look, things are looking promising. Um, you know the players have got to finish the season well you know if our current squad play to their ability we should get promoted that said if we can do anything to improve our chances then then we will if we don't we don't think we'll have failed so we really are in a in a, in a great position where we have the ability to bring people in if we need to but we don't need to bring anybody in if we don't need to so was it's strong, you know. I'm ho- we're hoping, you know, we, we might get some covering. I mean, there's a couple of players that could go out on loan, you know. So you usually when you hear people say one in one out, that's because the that's because the skin oh, there's no ambition. Actually, I don't. We don't really want to be carrying many more players in the squad than we've got because you know Phil has the unenviable task of keeping everybody happy. So you know there is always a balance, There is always a balance to strike. I, what, what's 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 interesting is that when we when we got the exemption when, when we actually got the exemption through from FIFA, it was more about more about trying to bring players in on short term deals to cover get to cover gaps, <laughs> and we still haven't signed a player on loan since <laughs> um, you know since since the start since the start of the season, because we you know Phil was really clear and Rob and Ryan were happy to support him that if we could get permanent players into the building who were going to be here for the season. It was going to be in our best long term interests and give us the
1: best chance of success. Uh, From the sort of club point of view, I know you maybe can't be as impassionate as us fans, but I think Rexham Sports are saying that, God, if only one of not or sort of Chesterfield didn't have their own remarkable start to the season, we we could be flying high now and well clear. But is that sort of frustration sort of felt inside as well that, God, you know, any other year we might be not home and dry, but maybe a lot more comfortable than we already are?
0: Listen, we could be ten points clear by the end of February, couldn't we? In in reality, um, you know, or we could be still neck and neck with everybody. Everybody's still still winning. Who knows? You know, ul- ul- ultimately, you know, every the, the the you know the target of hundred points is like this magical type of number isn't it. You know, if you get if you get to hundred points and you didn't get promoted, I mean, it probably is time to question. Life, never mind anything else. But you know, we are. You know, the the players are there, and yeah, yes, of course. I wish we were a few points, few points clear, about twenty, but uh, we're not. And we just, we just need to. We, you know, the players just need to keep going. You know, they're good enough to get us promoted. You can only get promoted after the last game of the season, so whether we achieve it with the last kick of the ball, it's okay. Oh, you've got you know we got we got his feet, feet up at Easter. Who knows? The one thing, one thing I can, one thing I do know is, is that we've tried to put and Robin Reiner fund to get everything in place to give the club the best chance. You know, of actually achieving that number one objective of getting promotion. I mean, to, to such to such extent. I mean, the, you know, the team. You know, we, we flew them down to Maidstone on yeah, but for, for the game. And and that's not because it's Billy really big time and we 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 can do, it's that genuinely there's a real fear that going to Maidstone on a Saturday and then to Gateshead on a Tuesday, you know, with all the travelling time on coaches, could have a significant impact on our chances on our chances of getting a result. Now, if you sign the players we've signed and you spent the money we have spent, then actually it's a sensible investment because why not give you you know why not give yourself the best chance it's like not having a de- you know a big medical staff behind the club to keep all the players fit you now what, what's the point in not having the staff there to keep the players actually available for selection yeah so it does it does look like it's grown and we're doing things that a national league club shouldn't be doing but as we have said throughout this podcast on numerous occasions we're not a normal national league club anymore, and, and we have to we have to do what we believe works in our best interests, not what we think everybody else well, not what everybody
1: else thinks we should be doing. Yeah, you don't buy a new sofa if you still got a leak in the ceiling, do you? You try and cover that up as well. So, I suppose uh, another question I've got you on on the football side is FA Cup this weekend. Obviously, maybe again from our point of view, nice to have a sort of a free hit, but the lads will give it at all. How much do you love the FA Cup, just as a football fan yourself? It is brilliant, isn't it? It's, it's great. I mean, you know, 20, 20 years of
0: working in club football, and I, I can't ever remember getting beyond the fifth, I can't ever remember getting beyond the fifth round with the team. So it, it's probably not had the happiest, uh, the happiest <laughs> memories. But you know, there, there is that magic of never, you know, when when a draw's taking place, not knowing whether you're gonna get old and Coventry or Sheffield United you know and there's a there's something to be said for that whole that whole that whole magic you know and you know, I know you cover Manchester I know you cover Manchester United and you know I still think I still think one of the most emotional days I I ever had involved in club football was taking Leeds to Old Trafford in you know in 2010 where that Leeds could, be, yeah. where you know Leeds beat Manchester United in third round of FA Cup 1-0 you know, it was yeah. just the most magical experience, yeah. and I just and I just hope everybody gets that. I just hope everybody gets that experience at
1: some at some stage. Yeah, I'm just hope it's so good that you know all the eyes as well the sort of the UK will be on Rex on Sunday. It's a great advert for the work that's going on there, and I suppose that brings us sort of neatly to the last question. And sure, it's, it's very vague which I know are the worst questions to ask, but what does the future hold for Wrexham? And I suppose, well, what does the future hold for you at the club? Because like you said, you joined sort of as an advisor to the board, maybe weren't envisioning to be as involved as you are now. Everyone gets the bug for Wrexham. We always say it's a special club. What does the future hold for club? And how long can you see yourself in North Wales for? So
0: so let, 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 let's, let's start with the easy part of that question. It is a special club. Absolutely it is. Um, it's got all the ingredients that you would ever want to be able to to work to, to work with, and so so from that perspective, there's absolutely no doubt. And actually, you know, its potential is really unknown. And and I know a lot of people say that about their their club, but who knows where this club could go to, particularly under Robin Ryan's ownership, you know, and the different dimension that's brought not just to Wrexham but to football. In, in the in, in the UK. And you know, and, and ulti- ultimately I'll, you know, I'll continue I'll continue doing what I'm doing now as long as a Rob and Ryan want me to continue to do that. And you know, and that could last as long as they last or it could finish at the end at the end of this at the end of the season. You know, they'll they'll decide. I'm I didn't start on this journey looking for a full-time role in fact it's not a full-time role it feels like it is and the hours i suspect i do probably are you know but i do have i do have other other commitments and responsibi- responsibilities as well but uh, certainly this takes up the vast the, you know the majority of my time at the moment you know and ultimately I'll, I'll play a part whilst ever that part needs playing and the day that day comes i shan't. i won't be working off bitter I'll I'll actually, you know, walk them off actually having benefited from the experience and actually hope that well, I actually hope for two things. One that I've helped Rob and Ryan make good on their commitment to that Wrexham would be be a best stronger place when they leave, I leave, whatever, whichever comes first, um and, and leave. And I actually, from a personal perspective, actually hope that you know some of the preconceived opinions. Of what this Sean Harvey bloke actually was all about may just have been changed on the benef- with the benefit of evidence rather than rather than spe- rather than speculation, and actually that will nearly be as you know as important to me as anything else.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully by listening to you for the last hour or so, fans will be able to make up their own mind, and like I said judge you as someone that they feel they get to know as well and i have seen you in the documentary. So I guess it always just leaves me to say thank you very much, Sean, for, for your time. Absolute pleasure. Once again, just want to say a massive thank you to Sean for giving us so much time. Hopefully you feel like you know him a bit better after listening to that discussion as well. Really good to get him on record talking about a variety of subjects and hopefully we can, in the future, maybe have him back on the podcast as well and get some of your questions and ask them on your behalf as well. But as I said, Wrexham do have a massive game this weekend as well. The FA Cup already knocked out Coventry City in the previous round. Wrexham have been rewarded with a home tie against Sheffield United this Sunday. The Kairas is going to be absolutely raucous and I'm delighted to say that ahead of the game I was joined by Sheffield United reporter for Yorkshire Live, Nathan Hemingham and he gave me the lowdown on Sheffield United ahead of the match and told us just how likely an upset may be this weekend. I suppose the first question is, what is the mood like around Sheffield United at this moment in time?
2: They look very good right now. You know, this is a side that's currently second in the championship, one defeat in 13 championship matches, one defeat in 14 in all competitions, if you take into account the third round victory at Millwall. And they're 13 points clear of third place Watford, and, you know, they've opened up a huge gap in the race for the uh, automatic promotion places to the Premier League. So when you're on that type of form and, you know, you're winning winning matches, uh, as you can understand, you know, the mood is, you know, very, very... Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of confidence around the football club right now. So, you know, they're in a good place. They're doing really well. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone's uh, everyone's enjoying their football.
1: I suppose there's a lot of similarities then between Wrexham's own form and been flawless at home this season, literally not even drawn a game at the, the racecourse ground. Is that a tie that Sheffield United fans did relish, their lowest-ranked team left in the competition? I mean, you'd have to fancy your chances of, of progressing.
2: I think the fans did. After, you know, the mood that I can gather from the fans is that they they did want this game, you know. Um no disrespect to Millwall, but Millwall away in the third round on a Saturday in <laughs> first Saturday in January, you know, it didn't really wet the appetite. <clears throat> and and I know what people might say, or oh, they'd be going away to an old league club, it's not dramatized, but this is a live one, you know, this, there's interest in this one. You know if United don't care for this is a real banana scheme, you know, they're not playing each side you know they're playing a side that's doing really really well there's had a lot of investment in it uh you know they're almost set up to be a, uh, to be an EFL team already so United are well aware of how difficult this is and I think from the fans point of view the fact that they know that they could be on the end of a giant killing having seen what happens at Coventry I think it's quite exciting for them to be involved in a game where you know United have got to be on their toes here let's not you know let's not pretend and let's not you know so it's also a stadium that I think the fans quite enjoyed um, being drawn away at Wrexham because it was another stadium they could, tip, uh, could tick off in another away day that they've, they've probably not experienced for a long time. So yeah, I thought I thought quite I thought the general mood and feeling after the draw was made that uh, United fans were quite happy at this. They were looking forward to going there and uh, and being involved in. You know, the TV cameras are there, the home crowd are going to be sort of uh, vocal, aren't they? And and, a lot lot of excitement around the fixture. And I think United were looking forward to uh, to going down there and being involved in what promises to be a really exciting cup tie.
1: I was going to ask you that in terms of both teams involved in this are going for promotion. That is the main sort of priority of the season that will be what defines the season a success so the FA Cup from from United's point of view obviously this is a, a chance for them to go one step further but was it a priority at the start of the season or is it just a bonus and then the league is the, the bread and butter really
2: I don't think anyone really has the FA Cup as a priority because you, you're you not in control of it are you? you're not in control of the fixtures you could be out in the first round depending on you know what I mean you could cop for Man City away in round three and so you can never um, you can never plan for a cup run, or you can never make the cup a priority. I think United fans were obviously asking the question when the when the third round was made, you know, because they were at that stage when the third round draw. United were in a really healthy position in the league, so obviously the fans were wondering, do we need a cup room right now? Because there's a golden chance here, given the gap to third place, and, and given how well they were doing in the league, do, do they need? Any more games complicating their fixture schedule? Um, if you look, unless there's a replay, the next round is actually scheduled for a midweek where there's no game to take place anyway. So I don't think at this stage of the competition it impacts too much on the league's the league schedule. Um, you know, it probably will only impact if you get a replay, and then you know you've got two teams who are going for promotion that now have. And next, one of them is going to have two midweek games. You know, the replay and the winners of the replay will be playing in in, in a Wednesday midweek. So, I think at this stage, providing there's not a replay, at this stage, I don't think the FA Cup will impact too much on the promotion campaigns. And then if you get through to the fifth round, of course, you're two wins away from Wembley. So, it's that thing where, you know, how much do you then want to turn your nose up at a possible Cup run, despite where you are in the league? If you are Two games away from Wembley potentially, so I think it's one of those where I don't know what Rexham stands is, but from United's point of view, I get the message from from their manager Paul Heckingbottom that they will go to win, whatever they're in the competition. They will go to win to see where it goes, um, and if they go deep into the competition, then great. If they don't, so what? Not the end of the world. Uh, they can concentrate on the league. So they're certainly taking it seriously. Um, and they're certainly looking to win this fixture, uh, and I don't think there'll be too much of a problem at this stage regarding the league form. It's only when you start hitting the quarterfinals and semifinals that you you start to see a few extra games taking its toll on you.
1: You mentioned there then that it will probably will be quite a, an important fixture for Sheffield United. What type of team can we expect then? Is it still there'll be a chance for for them to rest players, or you know, given that it's not maybe too packed at the moment the schedule do you think it will be quite a full strength side we see on Sunday
2: well it's difficult to to say what you class what, you know what, when we talk about resting players United having come out of the Premier League they've got a very good squad and, and the one thing that Paul's been able to do really well is he's been able to put together a squad of players where there's two players per position so with that in mind even when he makes changes it doesn't have much effect or it's not detrimental to the team performance because of how good the squad is. So it's something that all championship managers speak about when they when they play United. They all talk about United having the best squad of players. So when they went to Millwall, I think he made five or six changes. But it was a team that had that been a league fixture, not many people will have battered too much of an eyelid at that team. You know what I mean? So they they made five or six changes, but um it didn't really affect the team because, you know, how good the squad is. So I'm expecting him to do the same again, uh, make five or six changes for this fixture. But it's only to get minutes and legs of squad players who need minutes and to rest sort of players who might have had a good run of games recently. Um, so while that makes it sound like, you know, they're going to be putting out a weakened team if they're going to make that many changes, you know, one look at the squad and you know he'll still be a whatever team he picks and however many changes he makes it will be a really really strong team i would be amazed absolutely amazed if he puts a load of kids in and you know and, and doesn't bother with this this is going to be a really strong team it will contain changes but it will still be a really strong side
1: yeah, that sounds brilliant. To be honest, from from Wrexham fans' point of view, I suppose. Again, I, I, there's not going to be maybe even an answer to this question. But are there any areas of weakness where Wrexham might have some joy this weekend? I mean, they're very good from set pieces, particularly the long throws. Is that something that might catch United off guard? Uh,
2: I don't know because defensively, United have been very well. You know, they've done very well. They've been very good. So they, you know, they. I think they, they're have either kept the most clean sheets or they're up there for the amount of clean sheets they they, they keep. Um, they've got one of the best defences in the division. So they're very, very good defensively in the way that they're organised. Um, I don't think too many teams, have. I don't think they've had a particular weakness with set, set pieces, if I'm being honest with you. Um, however, I don't recall off the top of my head how many teams have come to Bramall Lane and had a sort of bit of a rocket of a long throw so that might be interesting to, to see how they deal with it but they're not a side who's particularly vulnerable at the back far from it they're very strong at the back they're very well organised very well disciplined and they don't concede many goals so um, in terms of weaknesses Wrexham fans don't want to hear this but you know they're second in the championship table and they've lost sort of five games so they don't have many weaknesses I'm afraid Uh so, you know, this is a team that's playing well, uh, players are on form, everybody knows their role. Uh, they've been playing well now for 12 to 18 months under under Paul Heckingbottom and, you know, they, they very rarely come off it. Uh, they, 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 in, that, in that time that he's been in charge, they very rarely come off it. Uh, they, they, they manage to hit a certain performance level quite regularly. Uh, so yeah even if no matter who he changes and who he picks and what side he puts out it will still be a very very strong championship side who's currently playing really well
1: yeah I mean Phil Parkinson is a bit of a cup specialist himself we saw that at Bradford we've seen it at other clubs as well like I said Wrexham won every single home match this season in all competitions only lost once at home in all of the last calendar year as well the final question then Naif is there any chance of an upset this Sunday?
2: Absolutely, there's every chance of an upset, you know, I don't think Sheffield United are under any illusions whatsoever about how tough this is going to be Um, for example, you know, Sheffield United's goalkeeping coach, Matt Duke, was Phil Parkinson's goalkeeper for Bradford when they went to Wembley Um, so you know, Duke will be well aware of of how good Phil is in, in good competitions, but you know United never ever underestimate anybody and there's a reason why the cameras are going there Paul Heckingbottom knows and his players know exactly why the cameras are going there and why they've picked this game it's because they smell a cup giant killing Uh, and United are well aware of how difficult this is going to be Uh, they'll they'll have noticed the, the performance at commentary they know all about Phil Parkinson they know all about Wrexham's home record and how they play and how difficult they make it and how they get balls into the box and United will know, already know, that this is going to be a really, really, really tough game. And if they're not careful, they will be, on, they will be on the end of another killing and they will go the way of Coventry. So there's absolutely every chance that this could be a giant killing because it's the FA Cup. Um, like you say, Rex have not lost at home. Um, they've already not one championship side out, a championship side that, by the way, have beaten Sheffield United twice in the last 12 months, Coventry and Wrexham's gone down and beaten them. So this is not going to be easy by any stretch, Um, and Sheffield United are well aware of how difficult this is going to be, and they're well aware of how easily they could be on the end of a giant killing here. So I'm expecting this to be a really, really tough, competitive, end-to-end game, Uh, both sides going for it, a really exciting atmosphere, and I, I am really looking forward to it.
1: Well, it has been a bumper podcast, hasn't it? Let's hope Wrexham can end this remarkable week in remarkable fashion on Sunday against Sheffield United. I understand Rob McElhenney might be a bit busy watching the Eagles instead. What a day that could be for him if both of his teams record the wins. So yeah, thank you very much to all of you who've listened and who continue to support the podcast. It really does mean a lot. Thank you so much to Sean Harvey as well for giving us his time and thank you to Nathan as well for previewing the game from Sheffield United's point of view. All that leaves me to say, thank you so much to Red 10 People Development for their continued support and sponsoring of the podcast. Thank you to Rex and bass band Hypnotic for providing the music. Thank you to a Mr. Nathan Salt, wherever you are in New York, who, believe it or not, will have edited this podcast while I've been fast asleep. And thank you to you. Have a great week. Let's hope it gets even better. Come on the town. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got butt for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,